So we were in the middle of the Indian Ocean, no internet access whatsoever. I ended up in a internet cafe in the Seychelles, get access to my Hotmail account, looked in there, your check is on the way. That was the moment that I knew I've got something here. Yeah, sure, I've earned 13 quid for nine months work, but I've proven the model. I've proven despite knowing nothing, despite not having access to the internet, despite not knowing marketing, despite not knowing how to run a business, I've successfully earned some money from an internet marketing business. I now need to scale that up and I now need to earn £13.51 in a month and then in a week and then in a day and then in an hour and... Nine months after that first check, I quit the day job and I was earning two grand a month. Further nine months on from that, I'm probably doing 100 grand a year. But ultimately, without that initial check for that £13.51, pence, I wouldn't be sat here. I'd st- I would still be in the civil service somewhere. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast, episode 52. Gavin here, and today we're talking with John Lamerton. John is the author of the book Routine Machine. Now, would you class yourself as someone who's super organized and has very strict kind of timetables of what you do when and you can be relied on to be predictable, that you do everything in routine? Or are you creative, other end of the spectrum, go with the flow and get easily distracted? No matter where you are, John has got something in his book and from this podcast and conversation that will help you achieve more in less time by introducing some routine. Actually, routine doesn't, in his way of interpreting it, is not a strict prescription. Instead, it's a routine that works for you that creates some structure and freedom so you can get the things done that you really want to get done. We talk about how the, what's the one little hinge that can swing the big door and make that one change. He's a big fan of the book, The One Thing, and that comes up in conversation a number of times. So um, actually, John had just about to go to this audio, um, Audible Studios to create the audiobook version of The Routine Machine, and he's now done that. And you'll enjoy the conversation. I must admit, he put me on the spot. You'll love that. He puts me on the spot at the end. And I have done both of those things um, uh, in terms of introducing a routine uh, since that conversation. And just re-listening to it as part of the preparation of that, I put a third routine into my diary as well. So I uh, am more of the kind of creative end of the spectrum. And so John enables uh, anybody to be able to introduce routine into their life to improve effectiveness, productivity, and make sure you're doing the right things that are going to deliver your goals and results that you want in your life and in your business. John Lamerton, Routine Machine. Hi, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Today, I've got the great pleasure of sitting down with John Lamerton. John is a multiple author, and actually, I'm I'm honoured because before I give you the titles of the book, I'm going to have a little bit of intrigue. Um, you've also been known as the King. <laughs> I have been known as the King of Routine. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, 
It's an interesting moniker. I've been called many things over my life, <laughs> but King of Routine is, is definitely one I'm, I'm more proud of than others, I would say. So that comes from, uh, the, oh, in, that actually was part of an inspiration for you to write your latest book called The Routine Machine. But um, before we jump into that, give us a bit about your background, John, um, you know, in terms of business and, uh, and then your journey as a speaker and author. Definitely. So I, I shouldn't be here, Gavin. I should not be a business owner. I should not be a successful entrepreneur. Um, I was a civil servant. Um, okay. That's what I trained to do. It's what I did after school for six or seven years. And, and civil I, servants aren't renowned for their entrepreneurial uh, acumen, are they? They're not known for their flair, their creativity. Yeah. You know, it's you'd be a good employee, sit in the box, um, do as you're told, get a good get a good job, get a good pension. This this was what I was told as a as a sort of teenager. You know, go and get a good job, get a safe, secure job for life with a good pension, good pr- career prospects. By now, I should have been promoted twice and I should be, you know, living in my little cubicle. Yeah. Um, but I, I ultimately got moved to a role within the civil service that I hated. And this is going back to 2000. And I absolutely hated this role, so much so that on the three-week training course for this new role, I started my first business <laughs> really, <laughs> because I, I needed an escape route. I needed, I knew I couldn't stick it out. The, the average lifespan uh, in this role was 18 months. Right. And I'd previously come from a role where the lifespan was 25 years. Oh my goodness. They came in, they didn't leave. Right. And I knew I this, retired. Was, this was not going to happen. So I had to self train myself um, in running a business. So, I decided, why was, it, was there an interest in business, an intrigue, um, um, creativity that was bubbling to get out? There was a little bit. I mean, this was the so this was two thousand, so the press was full. This was like the very height of the big dot com bubble of at course. the time, and the press was full of people like Brent Holdman, Martha Lane Fox, yeah, you know, the last minute dot com guys that were basically having ideas. They would have an idea. Someone would then wave a check at them for a couple of million dollars and they'd sail off into the sunset. That at least was my impression of what being a dot-com entrepreneur was all about. I love a bit of that. I can do that. I I have ideas. So why can't I become an internet, a dot-com millionaire, dot-com entrepreneur? So I said, well, I'm going to launch an internet marketing business. Um, There's just three problems I've got with that. Um, Number one, I know nothing about running a business. Number two, I know nothing about marketing. Number three, I don't have access to the internet. I didn't even- <laughs> love it. So there's something about your character that you like to set yourself a challenge then? It was a little bit of a challenge. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, in hindsight, looking back now, I knew that I knew nothing. Yeah. So I went to probably WH Smith's, was the books, bookstore of choice at the time. Sure. Picked up a copy of Internet Marketing for Dummies. Now, if there were, was ever a book that was custom made for me at that time, internet marketing for dummies was absolutely it. <laughs> Brilliant. So I picked up a copy of um, for dummies. Target market. Exactly. Yeah. I borrowed my girlfriend's computer. Uh, yeah. Sorry, my girlfriend's parents' computer. They had, a, uh, a, they had an internet connection. This sounds really weird to me saying. No. They had internet. They had 56K dial-up from FreeServe. <laughs> that I was able to go on and in 20 minutes a night, start building my business. Now, I, again, I knew nothing. So it took me, um, so I started 1st of August, 2000. 
it took me nine months to earn my first check from my internet marketing career. You still and had your, your, your civil, civil service day job then? Absolutely, yeah. There's, there's no way I could afford to give that up. So I was doing the day job eight hours a day, and then I, was, I would come home and I'd work probably you know, any between an hour and four hours per night on the side business. Nine months of doing that, I've earned my first check. It's for £13.51. Whoa, don't spend it all at once. Oh, exactly. I, I really, really, honestly, I wish I'd framed that check now. Because that, that check would have pride of place on my wall right now. Because although it's, it's a piddly amount, £13.51. What was that for? That was for uh, sales of, I think it was, there was like a cigarette service at the time, right. whereby uh, they would illegally import um, cigarettes from the, from the EU tax-free and it, you would pay like a pound a pack for cigarettes and I would, they would pay me a pound for everybody that signed up. Um, so it was like affiliate marketing, basically. It was the yeah, very, yeah. very early days of affiliate marketing. Um, I think there was a few competition websites that would pay me 20 pence for an email address or something like that. So I'd, I'd really, really worked my ass off to get these 13 pounds in. Um, I was actually on honeymoon when I um, triggered the, the check. Yeah. So we were in the middle of the Indian Ocean and no internet access at all. We were on a, on a cruise, no internet access whatsoever. I ended up in a internet cafe in the Seychelles, yeah. ran up this hill, paid them probably $3 yeah. to get access to my Hotmail account, looked in there because, of course, I got an email every time I had a sale. Oh, my God, I've earned a sale. Your check is on the way. But that was the moment that I knew, actually, I've got something here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I've earned 13 quid for nine months' work. Yeah. But I've proven the model. I've proven that despite knowing nothing, despite not having access to the internet, despite not knowing marketing, despite not knowing how to run a business, I've successfully earned some money from an internet marketing business. So it was then a case of, okay, I now need to scale that up. And I now need to earn £13.51 in a month. And then in a week, and then in a day, and then in an hour. And nine months after that first check, I quit the day job. And I was earning probably two grand a month at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, Further nine months on from that, I'm probably doing 100 grand a year. And it was that real hockey stick growth. Yeah. But ultimately, without that that initial check for that £13.51, I wouldn't be sat here. I would still be in the civil service somewhere. And that was that validation, was it? A proof of concept, giving you the positive feedback. You're on the right track. Carry on going. It was, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd, up until that point, I'd had very little positive feedback. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, there were signs because I could get traffic to a website. And I figured if I can get people, if I can get eyeballs, if I can get people coming to the website, all I need to do now is figure out how to earn money from those people. And it was just... So let's, let's uh, fast, forward, fast forward to today then. So... Yep. Um, you're a multiple author, there's two books out. I'll let you talk about those in a minute. And you have, from my understanding, um, several businesses. You're a speaker and um, proudly from Plymouth, uh, the south coast of the UK. So uh, describe your business world now, the kind of work you do and what and, and, and uh, the work you do with clients, et cetera, now. Yeah, so the, um, over the last 20 years, I've probably collected about 60 different small businesses that we've been involved in in one way or another, either as an investor, we do some angel investments now, yeah. um, or launched it as ourselves. So we've got, um, we've got a couple of businesses in the sports betting sector. 
Okay. So we do a little bit there now. Um, we've got a business coaching platform as well. So when we, we exited one of our main businesses back in 2016 now, and I, we got to the point whereby myself and my business partner, Jason, we, uh, we identified that we wanted the business to run without us. Sure. So we exited the business in yeah, summer of 2016, had a little celebration for about a month. We went, aren't we brilliant? We're great. Let's pat ourselves on the back. And then went, what do we do with the rest of our lives then? Because we're, we're only like barely 40. You know, we, we're a bit young to just be going to the golf course every day. For sure. So I said, well, I, I'd been part of a few mastermind groups for a while. And I said, you know, I really love digging into other people's businesses. I love going into people's businesses, imagining that this is my business and I'm just going to move all these, all the moving parts around. I can see how things work. I can tell you what you need to do. I can play Richard Branson with his, you know, 20 different businesses in different sectors. I can play that and then walk away at the end of the day and go back to running my own business. So I said, let's, let's help some people. So we set up a, a free business mastermind around my kitchen table. Brilliant. So I invited some people who I knew were very new to business. They were me in 2000. Course, you know, right. I, I, I became their version of internet marketing for dummies. It's like, all right, let me tell you what to do. Let right. me tell you what not to do. Let me tell you the mistakes I made 16, 17 years ago that, Christ, if I did it again, I would not go down this road. Of course. And we had 10 people sat around my kitchen table. And every month we'd meet up. I'd give them some homework. I'd give them some books to read. I'd set them tasks. And we'd just monitor what they did. And they absolutely flew. To the point whereby about a year later, we ran out of chairs around my kitchen table. Yeah, <laughs> we we deployed the emergency chairs, uh, the stools, the benches came out. Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like Christmas Day all over yeah. again, trying to fit around my kitchen yeah. table. Um, and I said, well, we came to review our goals for the year. and said, What do we want to achieve next year? I said, well, it's been really good that we've helped these people. But I said, ultimately, we've helped 12 people. I'd like to help. 1,200 people or 12,000 people because there's so many business owners out there who need that little bit of hand-holding, that little bit of accountability to know what should I be working on and holding their feet to fire saying, right, now you know what to do, just go and bloody do it. Sure. And so we said, well, okay, let's, let's launch a podcast. So we decided, yeah, let's, let's launch a podcast. And I had this brilliant idea of what we'll do is Jason and I will sit down once a week we'll turn the microphones on, we'll talk about one topic. I will then get that transcribed. That will then be a chapter and I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book next year because people have been saying to me for years, oh, you need to write a book, John. You've got this fantastic story. You've had this real highs and real lows of your journey. You need to talk about this. And I'd always said, no, 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 it's not for me. It's not for me. I, I don't want to do that. And when we exited the business, I thought, actually, do you know what? Now is the time. Let's do the podcast. Let's get it transcribed. Let's turn that into a book. That was the plan. Uh, turns out that having a conversation with somebody is not the same as writing a book. So the transcriptions yeah. I got were awful um, because they were, they were full well, of well, audio, but not necessarily in written form. Yeah, exactly. They're full of ums, ahs. You know, I just get into the flow of what I want to say, and Jason would interrupt me, and it's like, yeah. oh, hang on, that doesn't work, and it yeah. just. It ended up being a nightmare. So we scrapped that idea and I went back to the drawing board and I started writing from scratch. 
So July 2017, my first book came out, which was Big Ideas for Small Businesses. And this, this is my version of Internet Marketing for Dummies. This is running a small business for dummies. <laughs> right. And then you were very, very proactive in terms of the launch of that, in terms of getting radio and PR and podcasts, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we hired a PR agency and we got, um, I said, local press involved. We got some influencers involved. We had a nice big launch event, uh, a yacht club. We had, you know, we did a live version of the podcast. We had a hundred people there. We fed them. We gave them beer. We gave them Prosecco. We gave them mini burgers. And we ended up with a room full of people and a room full of advocates uh, who we kind of treated that as a pre-launch. Yeah. So we did the pre-launch. We had a hundred people in that room, very, very happy they all had a free copy of the book. They all went away. A month later, when we actually physically launched on Amazon, yeah. all of a sudden, those 100 people were all behind us. Right. So we had... reviews. Yeah. I mean, they bought the book. Even though we gave them a free copy of the book, they bought Absolutely. it again on launch day <laughs> just to support us. Um, they shared it on social media. They left reviews. It was just... It gave us that huge momentum right. that we needed to get things going. Thank you. I've just not and I've uh, added that mentally to my checklist of uh, launch <laughs> strategies. So thanks for that, very much for that, John. So big ideas for small businesses. Successful book for you. Yeah, very much so. And one of the podcasts because it's leading us to the reason for our conversation around the second book, Routine Machine. So one of the podcast interviews you had done, uh, you were actually being given a bit of a grilling, weren't you, by the uh, prospective interviewer? Oh. Absolutely. It's, it's and there was one a of the throwaway comment that actually was a seed or the genesis of the, the, the second book, you know, the fated second book, the, the Routine Machine. So tell us that story. Oh, there was. So it's, it's, yeah, it's the toughest podcast interview I think I've ever done um, because it was so professionally done. I need to up my game. And I read this in your book and I thought, I really need to up my game. Oh, I know. It's, it's, but it, I, I prefer this. We're having a natural conversation. Yeah. This flows. It seems very normal. We are having a two-way conversation. Yeah. Uh, this podcast interview was very one-way. Okay. Uh, the host would ask me a question. I'd start answering. And then normally, you know, if, I, if I, I've got some go-to stories, and when I tell these stories, I normally go, oh, that's interesting. That's good. Tell me more about that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting story. And the feedback I got from this guy was, hmm, Okay. <laughs> right uh, I, I thought oh my god am I, do these stories not work because it was you know it was a US audience I thought is this not transferring to the states no it, it transpired he was just editing on the fly and he was thinking in his mind okay I'm going to edit this silence out anyway let me just think is that good for the audience what question do I need to ask next okay and then when I actually listened to the final edit it was brilliant and it sounded like a really natural flowing conversation but live it was hard hard work yeah. um but yeah when we when we finished recording the episode we talked a lot during the call about okay so what do you what do you do you know what what do you do on a daily basis oh i you know i said i live my life by my calendar you know if it's not in the calendar it doesn't exist and my calendar is all recurring events i do this every tuesday at 10 30 at you know five o'clock on a thursday this happens third friday of every month we send this email out um every monday morning this happens Every March, we do this. Every um, January, we do this. And he said, I think for you, the routines are key. He said, you're, you're like the king of routine. Hence the title, the king. Oh, oh, king of routine. Yes, yes, I'm having that. Because we talked um, on the call about 
my my monikers, my descriptions. Because in the first book, I describe myself as the lazy entrepreneur. Okay. I don't. I hate being busy, and I like. I don't want to work any harder than I absolutely have to. So I thought, yeah, lazy entrepreneur. And he said, well, is that a good thing to be calling yourself lazy? You know, I thought, oh, I don't know. So we we talked a little bit about you know, let's try and reframe that. Uh, I think he eventually called me the the effective entrepreneur or something like that. It, yeah, it didn't really work for me. And then off air, he comes up with king of routine. <laughs> yes, that's me. That's me. I am the king of routine. So I, I came back. I went on one of our coaching calls with one of with our our business mastermind group, and I said, right guys, um, you are now to refer to me as the king of routine. <laughs> I have a brand new title. This is how I wish to be referred to from now on. And yeah, two days later, I got a package in the mail from one of our clients and it was, uh, he runs a t-shirt printing company and sure oh, enough, really? it's a t-shirt in the style of the front cover of my, my first book. And it just said King of Routine, it had a little crown on it. Brilliant. It absolutely amazing. Uh, and so this sowed a seed for book number two. It did. So yeah, I think that, that would have happened in about the, the May and people have been bugging me for a while. So you're going to write a second book. You're going to write a second book. And I said, originally I was no, absolutely not. When I stood on stage at our launch event for big ideas, I said, I am never writing another book again because it's such hard work and I haven't really enjoyed the process and that's it. I'm never doing it again. Sure. turns out it's a bit like childbirth. (laughs) You're kind of saying, would know about that. Not that we know about that. No, yeah. For any, for any ladies listening that are now shouting at at the, uh, at the podcast going, no, no, what do you know about it? Um, but ultimately it's very, very painful. Uh, it's very traumatic. And yet we go back and do it again a couple of years later. So <laughs> I set myself a goal and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I've, I've got quite a lot to say about routine. Let me go on holiday and I'll take my journal with me. And if I can, if I can make, say, four pages of notes, just bullet points of stuff I want to talk about, then I will write another book. I sat down one morning and I, I turned my phone off and I got a cappuccino and I sat by the pool and I got my journal open. And before I know it, 10 pages of notes. So I immediately got my phone out again, put it off airplane mode, did a Facebook live to our coaching group and said, I think I've just decided to write book number two. Yay. Um, it's going to be on routine. And that, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Hey, Gavin here. We're soon, of course, going to be into the start of a new decade. Will 2020 be the year that you finally scale your business, amplify your reach and smash your stretched goals? Change your environment, change your thinking, change your results. If you want to set you and your business up for a strong start to a new decade, then two days experiencing one of the best masterminds in the UK, The Founders Board, with the remarkable Roland Frazier and myself in London on the 9th and 10th of December is the place for you to be. Roland has personally scaled and exited 24 businesses across different industries from 1 million to 2 billion in turnover. His knowledge, experience and super sharp insight makes him the person to tap into as you prepare your business for the next decade. At a recent two-day event I worked with him on in London, Roland blew the minds of everyone that attended. Everybody left armed with the strategies and insights that will transform their business and entrepreneurial careers. 
It's not what you know, as we well know, it's who you know. And being a part of Founders Board makes you a part of something special, a network of committed, experienced, and knowledgeable business owners whose insights and contacts can help you shift gear in your business and open up a whole new level of achievement for you. You become part of a community that supports you to achieve your goals. Six reasons to come along and experience these two days of masterminding with Roland and myself and the Founders Board. Grow your monthly recurring revenue. Increase your deal flow. Convert more customers. Skyrocket your retention. Instantly broaden your network. And increase the valuation of your business in the process. So, will 2020 be the year that you finally scale your business, amplify your reach and surpass every one of your stretch goals? To make this so, join Roland Frazier and myself at the Founders Board, 9th to 10th of December in London. Go to bit.ly forward slash FB hyphen Gavin in capitals, F for Foxtrot, B for Bravo hyphen Gavin, all in capitals. That's bit.ly forward slash FB hyphen Gavin. See you there. So routine then, busy oh, yeah. space in terms of books. Um, before we- It is very much so. You know, t- Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, um, Hal Elrod, Michael Morning, and the list goes, you know, John Ledumas. There's, there's so many big names in the personal development, podcasting speak, space, speaking, that have written about the importance of daily rituals or morning routines. So, John, this guy from Plymouth says, I'm going to give my own uh, sort of perspective on this. Now, what I think you've done with this, we, we talked about this before we got onto the onto the call, is that I think you've put it in a very down to work way that's incredibly accessible. So, um, share with us the thinking behind what could you bring to this quite populated space of books around rituals and routines and morning routines, etc. Definitely, yeah. I think it is it is a crowded space, and one of the reasons I very nearly didn't write the book was the minute I'd decided, oh, I could write a book about routine here. This would be a good idea. Um, about two weeks later, Rob Moore announces that he's releasing his book, Routine Equals Results. And I thought, no, no, someone's done it. Someone's beaten me to it and written the book. And then I realized that actually, yes, you've got Miracle Morning and you've got Atomic Habits and you've got High Performance Habits and you've got all this. But actually, yeah, it is a very, very busy space. Yep. But none of them have got my voice my expertise, my experience over the years. So I think it's it's a filter that I can put through that I've got this reputation as the normal bloke from Plymouth. And I think many of the many of the the routine books tend to go quite heavily into the science behind it and let me talk about why this works. Or they're very, very prescriptive. They're very, very right, this is what I do. I get up at 5 a.m., I do affirmations, I do a workout, I get a healthy green smoothie, I do some hot yoga, and then I go to the office. You need to do what I do. Yeah, if you're going to be successful, your alarm needs to go off at 5, or you need to be starting that routine at 5 a.m. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the, you know, successful people when you're get up at 4 a.m. <laughs> and I thought, well, actually, my experience of that has been the total opposite, because when I've tried to follow other people's routines guess what? It doesn't work for me. Yeah, so yeah. what I need to do is actually, and what I found successful and why routines have been key for me is because I've optimized my routines to work for me. Yeah. And this, I think, is the difference that many of the routine books don't focus on. They focus on how to be successful. Well, get up early, you know, 
you'll be full of energy then. Therefore, that's when you should do your most productive work. Can you work. give us an example about some of the routines that you have developed and optimized that really do work for you? Yeah, I mean, one of the things everyone focuses on is morning routines. Sure. And I think ultimately your morning routine does not have to start at 5 a.m. Uh, mine tends to start normally at five past eight every morning. Okay. So I get a five past eight alarm and it kicks off with the same breakfast every day. So I have a, uh, a bulletproof coffee. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dave Asprey will Dave uh, Asprey, yeah. be familiar with that. So I, I start off with a bulletproof coffee and then I do a brief workout. Uh, I then have a shower, come back up, land at the desk. I work from home. I've then got my go-to uh, lemon and ginger tea. Pint of water, for those who aren't on the, on the visual, I'm <laughs> just demonstrating that there. Um, sit down and I will then do my one thing for the day. And I will basically work on my most important task first thing in the morning. And I've got my calendar here on a bright orange piece of paper next to me. And I've always got it planned out my entire day. And I live and die by my my calendar. So, for those of you obviously that are listening on the podcast, you can't see that John just held up a bright orange piece of paper. Now, what's the bright orange piece of paper about? So yeah, the, the bright orange piece of paper is about the pattern interrupt. It's about having that visual clue there to tell me what I need to do. Did you prepare that the night before? Yes. Uh, so what I will do, I will plan the, I'll plan the week. I'll plan the week on the following Friday, on the previous Friday. So Friday cool. afternoon for me, I grab myself one of these blank sheets of paper, yeah. which has uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday along it. Yeah. On the very top, it's got this week's one thing. So if I only achieve one thing in the week, it's that thing in the red box. And that's what I work on first every yeah. morning. Um, I'll plan out the immovable objects first. Right. So next week, I am heading up to Leicester. I'm going to record the audiobook version of Routine Machine. Yep. So guess what? That's going to be in the diary. Wednesday, Thursday, next week is blocked out and recording audiobooks. Friday, we've got uh, a client day. We're taking everyone to Alton Towers for the day. So it's kind of a little bit of a reward for doing the days in the studio. And it's a bit of client day. It's, a, it's an opportunity to build some relationships. Blocked out. That leaves me Monday and about half of Tuesday free. So on Friday, I will then look at my, my goals, what I want to achieve. That's then a separate orange bit of paper <laughs> on my desk, front of mind all the time. And I will work out, right, given the time available to me, I've got Monday, let's say four hours on Monday, and I've got two hours on Tuesday. I've got six hours next week. What can I do that's going to move me towards my goals in those six hours? Great. Because... Ultimately, I don't want to say, well, actually, I'm going to write a new, a new book next week. I do not have the time to do that. And I don't want to float either and have a week go by where I don't achieve anything. So next week, that may be I'm going to write three bits of copy. Okay. And that may be all I actually achieve next week other than obviously recording the audiobook, which is very important. <laughs> so uh, those smaller tasks like three bits of copy, for example, um, those are on the journey towards achieving your bigger goals for the year or for the quarter or for the, or for the next three or four years, whatever time frame. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's breaking it down into bite-sized chunks. It's the old, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And well, the other interesting thing for me is that you are not filling your, you're creating space in your diary. You're not filling your diary full of like client sessions and meetings and stuff like that. Oh God, no, no. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I've, 
I've had to train myself out of. Yeah. Because when you put yourself out there and you launch a book and you do public speaking, you get lots of people who want to grab a quick coffee. Yeah. And you know, can I just pick your brains? You know, look, only take 10 minutes and actually 10 minutes then turns into an hour and 10 minutes. Sure. And then you've got 20 minutes driving to and from the venue. And before you know it, you've given up two hours of your day. Yes. So saying no has had to be a routine that I've worked into. And routine, a lot of routine is about rules. And it's you creating the rules. And my rule now is no coffee. No, we don't meet up and have a coffee. Um, what I do have is uh, we've got a season ticket in the hospitality section of the local football club. Okay. So every other Saturday, I could spend four hours with you quite happily. Come along, we'll have a meal. We'll spend the afternoon together, really get to know each other. Um, but I don't want to grab a quick coffee because coffee comes out of my working day. It right, comes out of my productive yeah. time. If you want to meet up and have a chat, and I think that there's, you know, there's worthwhile there, I'm not going to take every tire kicker that gets in touch with me onto the football. But yeah, if yeah. I think, yeah, actually, I'd like to get to know Gavin a bit more, then why not pop along to the football? We'll spend the afternoons again. We'll really get to know each other. It's not a rushed cup of coffee. Sure. It's let's have a three-course meal. Let's watch some brilliant, attacking, free-flowing football, um, depending on who Plymouth are playing, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and let's let's really get to know each other. But that's that's just one of the rules that I've created now that actually frees me up. And it's that's the beauty from the routine. People rebel against routine because I don't like rules. I don't like structure. But by having the rules, by having the structure, it actually gives you more freedom because you're creating the rules, and the rules serve you rather than the other way around. So, in what areas of life do you create rules and routines? Everything. <laughs> Right, absolutely Mr. everything. Mr. Um, no wonder they call you the king. Yeah, oh, absolutely. well, uh, so I've been called the king of routine. Obviously, I've been called a routine machine, and my wife calls me a routine freak <laughs> uh, because <laughs> I, I do. I just live by it. And I remember a few years ago, I went to a uh, I went to a conference up in London, and I was chatting to these guys about routine, and they said, "Oh yeah, is, is routine important to you?" I went one second, and I pulled out this scrap of paper which I'd had from the hotel. And it basically said like 7.24, alarm, 7.45, Facebook Live, 7.50, shower, <laughs> 8.10, leave, leave place and, and walk to conference. Go to this session, go to that session, meet with this person for lunch, we're going to eat lunch at this place. <laughs> and I'd literally minute by minute planned out my entire day to where we were going to go, who I was going to meet, what I was going to do, what trains I was going to catch, what buses I was going to catch. And I planned out the entire day, minute by minute. And he said, well, I just kind of woke up this morning and thought, right, but conference starts at nine. I need to be there by nine. That's as much thought as I put into it, whereas I just literally planned out the entire day. Some people listening to this might think, oh my God, that sounds so constraining being back, you know, having every minute of your day planned out. It, for some people, it can be. I love that structure because I yeah. never need to think what's happening next. I just consult the list. I love checklists. I love just working my way through a list and going, right, I'm doing this, then I'm doing that, then I'm doing the other. Um, but I will also schedule in freedom. So um, I've got, a, obviously, our call now. In 45 minutes, I've got another call. Uh, that will be done probably by about one o'clock. I've then left a four-hour gap between meetings where I can then work on my one thing. So ultimately I've got that freedom and I've actually planned the freedom 
So although there will be days like when I go to conferences that, yeah, every minute is planned out. But the reason every minute is planned out is to enable me to do everything that I want to do. I want to make sure that I've had a good night's sleep. I want to make sure that I get my exercise in. I want to make sure that I still connect with my audience via the Facebook Lives. I want to make sure I see all the sessions that I want to see. I want to make sure that I'm networking with the right people. I want to make sure I'm eating healthily. Therefore, I'm, I'm pre-planning where I'm going to go for lunch. I, I will not go to a restaurant now without already knowing what I'm going to order. This, wow. this, is, the, this is the thing. For, why would I waste time in a restaurant pondering over the menu when I could pre-plan that? Wow. No one going to eat. Because you get, you get to a restaurant and you're hungry. And you so make for me, the distinction you. here, the, the distinction for me, John, here is entrepreneurs are very creative. And what was going through my mind is uh, what you describe is the opposite end of the spectrum to a creative entrepreneur that just uh, goes with their impasse and goes with the flow. But you use this structure and these rules and routines to create the space so that you can be creative. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost blocking out creative time, I think. Yeah. Fantastic. So what are the key messages in the book, Routine Machine, then? What, what, what was the, uh, the, the key advice that are takeaways for, for somebody uh, before they pick the book and read it for themselves? I think the key thing that I really want to get across is that the, the actual routine yeah. doesn't matter. Okay. Um, what matters is that you have a routine. Okay? So it's, it's not about me prescribing to you, this is what you need to do. It's not saying you need to get up at 5 a.m., you need to go to the gym, you need to follow a paleo diet, you need to give up alcohol, you need to do whatever. No, these are things that I've done. I'll, t- I'll tell you everything that I've done, but you are going to prescribe your own routine. And all I'm going to do is give you the tools, the infrastructure to make yeah. that easier, whether that's in business, whether that's you want to improve your golf swing, you want to get fitter, you want to have better relationship with your friends and family. This applies to many, many different areas of, of your life. Um, as I said just now, you know, what, what areas do I use routine in? Everything. You know, my kids know their exact routine. They know when it's bedtime. They know how much screen time they can have. They know what time different cutoffs are. They know what the, they know what all the rules are and they love it because they've got that structure. I need you to spend a week in my house <laughs> with the screen time thing. Yep. Um, <laughs> with my two boys, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, um, w- one of the things that uh, I come across a lot of people who are scaling their business, they've, they've, they've got the business so far, hmm. they've got the business to their limits of their own thinking. And they're well-practiced. Their habits and their routines maintain that level of business. So it's plateaued at, let's say yep. for argument's sake, 3 million or 5 million in terms of turnover. They can be shown the pathway, the strategies to scale significantly, but they can't get out of their own way and their own habits. How could the introduction of small new routines help them break through that self-imposed, not necessarily consciously aware of it, but that self-imposed ceiling so they move from five to ten and onwards? A million. I think, first of all, they've got to really, really want it. Um, Desire is key for everything. If you don't want it, bad enough, you aren't going to put up with the pain of doing it because any routine change is likely to be painful in some way. Because if you're not naturally doing it now, there's probably a reason you're not naturally doing it. Um, And that's normally because it's a bit hard. It's just outside of your comfort zone. So I think ultimately, if you wanted to scale from three to five million, you've got to really want to do that. And we've 
I know consciously made a decision in our own businesses not to scale because okay. we know we know what's required. We know how to scale the business, but we also know that we have not got the desire to do so. Right. And I think when it comes to routines in business, um, again, there are certain routines that are key. One conversation we're always, always having with business owners, um, particularly when we start working with them, we've got an initial onboarding questionnaire. One of the questions is, what's the best piece of marketing you've ever done? Yep. And we will get some brilliant answers to this. Oh, I spoke on stage once. Uh, it brought in 50 grand's worth of business. You know, I wrote a book once. I, I've got this sales letter that worked really well. And then our follow-up question to what's the best piece of marketing you've ever done is, when did you last send that piece of marketing? And that's when we get the blank stares. That's when we get the, um, I think it was 2017. No, it might have been 2016. Okay, yeah. so you've got a sales letter that works. The last time you sent this sales letter out, it brought in £200,000 worth of business and you haven't sent it for two years. Why the hell not? So let's sit down and craft out what, what routines actually matter. Um, I went through this process actually earlier in the year with our own business. So we were having real issues. We'd, uh, we'd put an MD in place. We'd put a board of directors in place. We'd put a proper management team in place to grow this business. And it wasn't happening. And I was getting very frustrated because what wasn't happening was all the stuff that routinely needs to happen. We've got an email that needs to go out eight weeks after members join. We've got another sales campaign that needs to happen on the first working day of every month. We've got this that needs to happen every Thursday. We've got this that needs to happen um, once a quarter. And instead, the team are running around chasing shiny objects and looking after the sexy new thing and they're just ignoring the, but if you send that email, we get three sales. And if you send that email every week, we get 150 sales a year. You get 150 sales a year and you plug that into this system and you do that every month, those 150 sales lead to 200,000 pounds worth of business. Why are you ignoring that mm -hmm. to go playing around on Instagram? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it doesn't make sense. We, I mean, one of the... Um, one of the routines we talk about in the book is sending weekly emails. And as business owners, this is so powerful. We've seen it time and time again. We've got um, there's case studies in the book of a guy who's earned, like, he made a £350,000 sale by sending out one weekly email that doesn't sell. And it's, it's just such a simple tactic. You send one email a week, you don't even sell in it, you just use it to relationship build get people to know, like, and trust you, um, works very, very well with responsive businesses. So the, um, the example here was a marine engineer. So he okay. doesn't get, you know, people don't tend to ring him up and say, oh, could you have a look at my boat? What no. happens is when the boat breaks, who gets the phone call? Well, the guy that gets the phone call is the guy who's been in your inbox for the previous nine months sending and you- And kept on your radar. Stuff. Exactly. It, it's uh, HR was another one. So there's a lady who- sends out HR emails every single week, just talking about stuff she's done in the business. Um, ultimately, nobody, nobody wants HR until they've got a problem. And then when they've got a problem, they've got an issue, who gets the phone call? So it's, it's retraining people, I think, away from, I've got to be selling all the time. Every email I send has to be selling into just one simple routine. And 
I listened to your previous episode with Rory from One Year No Beer, and he talked about exponential change from a single decision. Yeah. To me, that is what becoming a routine machine is about. It's you evaluating what is that single decision? What's the little hinge that's going to swing the big door? And let's make that one change. I'm not, you know, I, I mean, in the back of the book, I've listed like 32 different things I've changed. You don't have to do any of those. What I want you to do is to think, to ponder, and to come up with one change. Even if you just change one thing in your life and we make that happen, you're going to be in a much better place off as a result. And, and what really is coming across the sort of loud and clear uh, to me through this conversation, John, is A, the presence of or the introduction of these rules and routines create the space for you to be creative, create the freedom. Um, and secondly, it's a point around predictability. So you're zoning in really clearly on what have you done before that's really worked, and then let's systemize it so that it carries on working. Yeah. And, and if you want to play with bright new shiny object, whether that whatever that might be, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever that might be, great. But only after you've done the routine stuff, that you know is going to give you a predictable result. Exactly. You look at um, Google's twenty percent time. So that is oh yes, structured. Of to be completely creative. You right, can go- Right, so that was a good reminder. You just want to share with everybody what the Google 20% time is. Yeah, so Google basically will allow all of their staff members, 20% of their workly, uh, working week to focus on whatever they want to do. And um, I think some of the projects that have come out of this have been um, Blogger, YouTube, um, Google Glass, um, yeah. Google Maps. These things came out of 20% time. You remember, you know, 20 years ago, Google was a search engine. That's what they did. They just indexed the web. But by allowing their staff the freedom via a structured element, I think, um, I mean, in terms of, I always say it's 20% time, but I think um, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Eric Schmidt the other day, and he said it's more uh, 70% on your core business. Right. So, you know, if, if you're working in search, you're 70% working on search, um, 20% on areas related to your main business. So, well, let's look at search, but perhaps we're looking at getting results or we're looking at a different way of spidering. And then 10% of your time, complete freedom. So actually, yes, your job as an engineer is to work on search algorithms and you are indexing the web and you're deciding who's going to rank where on the side. You've got your 20% time that you're looking at affiliated stuff for that. And in the other 10% of the time, you're making self-driving cars. <laughs> Great. Get it. <laughs> so you show the story of uh, a client of yours who has in the past not been renowned for their uh, routines, but started to introduce some specific routines and the difference that that's made. Yeah. One of the... Um, one of the greatest um, testimonials I had um, from the book was a chap called Neville Wright. So Neville was the uh, the founder of KiddieCare.com. Yeah. Uh, and he sold to Morrison's back in, I think, 2014, yeah. uh, 70 million. So he's done very, very well for himself. But by his own admission, Nev, uh, he's got uh, ADHD. He's got dyslexia. Yeah. So as far as he's concerned... I don't do routines. No, 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 no. Routines are for other people. Yeah. And I'm, I came across Nev a couple of years ago. We had a chat for the podcast. We got on very, very well. Very, very inspirational. His, uh, his book, 
Uh, what's it called now? The answer is yes. Now, what was the question? Uh, yeah. It's a fantastic autobiography. Um, I read, I read his book just after um, Phil Knight's Shoe Dog. Yep, yep. And for me, the two were just talking to because one is uh, uh, what not to do manual yeah, <laughs> in yeah. terms of Nike. You know, he kept going, he persevered, but ultimately, that's about the only business lesson you could take from that. Um, whereas Nevs was just very much like I started with 37p and my dad's ladder. Um, and I could really resonate with that. It was actually, I had nothing. I started off with nothing. I bought myself a cloth and a ladder and I started cleaning windows. And then people asked me if I could do the gutters and I said, yes. And then people asked me if I could, um, you know, fit new windows. And I said, yes. And people asked me if I could build an extension and I said, yes. And then people asked me if I could sell prams and pushchairs, And I said, yes. And he just kept <laughs> saying, yes, actually, that's really good. But Nev was, and well, I don't know if he still is actually, he was very much anti-routine. He said, no, I've got the ADHD. ADHD is my superpower. It's what enables me to flit around and do everything and be a hundred miles an hour um, yeah. on each of these, each of these areas. So I wrote about him in the book and I said, you know, he's got a brilliant strategy. They played a game called Dad's Dead one day and he talked about, um, I'm going to pretend to be dead for a day and we're going to see where I am the bottleneck in my business. So, um, Dad, what, what's the logins for the online banking? Don't know, love, I'm dead. Can't ask me that, I'm dead. Oh, okay. Uh, 10 minutes later, uh, Dad, the supplier's on the phone. They want to know how many units of this we want. <sighs> dead people can't make decisions, love. And he just went through this day of literally spotting all those areas whereby if dad was dead, the business would stop. The business would stall. The business would hit a bottleneck. Yeah. And then he's able to create new systems to free himself up. So I sent Nev an advanced copy of Routine Machine and said, here you go, mate. I know, I know you hate routines. I know you're not going to enjoy it. I know you probably wouldn't even read the book, but I featured you in the book. I really want you to have a copy. And he posted a video about two weeks later um, with him and his PA, Dawn. Dawn is just a legend. She just looks after everything. She follows Nev around, picking up his mess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and makes his, world, um, it makes, makes his world happen. And he sat down and he recorded this video for me. And he said, John, did I, I decided before I read this book that I wasn't going to like it. And I, I knew I wouldn't enjoy it. And it was all right, actually. And, <laughs> um, and Dawn, I've... I've had my most productive day in two years. Wow. And I think I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick at it. And I was like, mate, that, that is the praise I need. I mean, you can have all the Amazon reviews in the world, but ultimately a guy who's got a you know, net worth of over 100 million yeah. who says, I don't do routines because I don't do routines. That's why I've been successful to read the book and say, yeah, actually this, this could work for me. I think that's, that's all the praise I need. So other than reading your book, The Routine Machine, what's one thing that a listener could do that would get them to have a good experience of routines that they want to introduce more of them in their world? I think uh, not making it too hard and okay. changing that one thing is the key. Don't, you know, if, you want to, if you want to get fit, don't decide you're going to go to the gym five times a week and you're going to do 90-minute sessions and you're going to lift weights and you're going to run marathons. Um, let's just aim to get to the gym once a week. You know, let's, let's, um, I talk in the book about doing one press up, um, because ultimately, you know, people say, oh, I can't do press ups. Uh, could you do one? Well, yeah, I could do one. Okay. Do one. Let's make it easy. Let's, you know, people 
when they're thinking about making changes to their routines and habits, think about what do I ultimately want this to look like? And then they try and do that from day one. Well, I would rather you did one press up today. And then in a week's time, when one is just pathetically easy, do two. And then just level up, level up. I'm, I'm going through boxing training at the moment. So in a month's time, I'm stepping in the ring. I'm doing a white collar boxing event. Okay. And press-ups are something I'm very familiar with, unfortunately, at the moment. <laughs> and I, I've been one of these people. I, I don't do press-ups. I can't do press-ups. Um, all of a sudden now, I've been going to boxing training for four weeks. And last night, I did 20 in a row. I've never done 20 in a row. But if I'd tried to do 20 in a row on day one, wouldn't have happened. Would not have happened. I would just be purple in the face, sweating yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, arms trembling, you know, and that's on about three. <laughs> but you create those milestones, those quick wins, don't you? So it's almost um, do, well, it's easy, it's doable for people to yeah. achieve a one or two or three, and before you know it, you're, you're exceeding 20. Yeah. yeah, start with something you know you're capable of yeah, and just almost schedule it in to level up. So it's yeah. obviously if you're working, like I've got the boxing training, I've got a coach who's leveling me up. I haven't got a choice in it. I'm following a program yeah. that someone else has set. If you're doing it yourself, you've almost got to set your own levels and say, well, actually, if I'm going to be going to the gym every third week, I'm going to move up one notch on the weight machine, or I'm going to add 0.5 to the incline on the treadmill or whatever it is, schedule in your level ups. Um, I, I had an interview with Gary Lineker a few, uh, a few months back, and he talked about leveling up. And so that's all he ever did throughout his career was he just leveled up. He said, I, I, I went up to the next level and waited to be found out. And when I didn't get found out at that level, I moved up to the next level. So, you know, I, I did kicking around with my mates and then I did playing well for the school and then I played well for the county and then I played well for my club and then I actually made it to the senior squad and then I won the, the Division One title and then I went to England and then I won the golden boot. And, you know, just he's kept on doing that. Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's all he's ever done. Yeah. Keep leveling up. Title of your next book. Good beacon, couldn't it? Yeah. Level up. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, how, how do people find out about you? Uh, where do they find the book, etc.? Cool. Uh, the easiest way is via the website. So it's routinemachine.co.uk. Uh, there is a free uh, sample chapter of the book there. Um, you'll also see some of the, the weekly emails that I was talking about earlier. So actually, if you want to get weekly emails and see the kind of thing I'm talking about where you get it drip out and you don't sell in it, um, yep. then, yep, that would be best place to go, routinemachine.uk. Uh, failing that, I'm on all the socials, John Lamerton, and obviously the book is available on Amazon. Books, plural. I've got to get used to saying books. I'm used to having a book of books. Books, fantastic. Well, John, it's been a real pleasure to spend time with you today. And... Um... You've got me really intrigued about routines. I have been for some time, but I've, I, my experience have been them. Oh, if I haven't managed to, you know, get a hit the routine at five a.m. and be finished by five forty-five a.m. and I'm not sorry, five forty-five a.m. and not done that five or even seven days a week, then. A, I'm a failure, and B, routines don't work for me. And, and, and I think your approach is really down to earth. It's really refreshing. It sets people up to succeed. Fantastic. So, what's the one thing you're going to change then? Maybe the one thing I'm going to change. Uh, <laughs> the weekly email. Shh. 
I should know better. I used to do it. I convinced myself that uh, I like the way you did that, by the way. Um, uh, I, I always used to do a weekly email. I get really busy. I give myself all sorts of excuses and the reason the busyness. Um, so I should do two things. Very good way you've done this. So first one thing, I'm going to start doing my weekly emails and the one will, one will go out tomorrow now and it'll go out every Friday. Yeah. Uh, it's how basic I don't tell my list about the latest podcast episode. That's a cardinal yeah. sin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even the second, I like being busy and I always like want to help clients and I put fill my diary with stuff. Um, I'm going to create more space. Good. Good, good. I'm looking forward to hearing how you get on with that, mate. All right. Speak soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, Joe. Fantastic. Thanks, Kevin. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.